Welcome to the Life Community Church Podcast. We are so excited and thankful you've decided to join us. We have a very special message for you today that we pray blesses you. So I've had some complaints that my sweater is not festive enough, but the instructions were earlier is go to your parents and get and that, if you go get a sweater from your parents, that would be an ugly sweater. And so I'm the parent. <laughs> so I got the sweater out of my drawer, you know, and got a you know, 35-year-old sweater. I've been saving this sweater. So how you doing? So good to see you. Didn't the kids do a great job? And, uh, you know, some of them were lip syncing a little bit, I know. Uh, our apologies to Taylor Swift, uh, who's also lip syncing, if you haven't noticed. Uh, <laughs> you get in trouble. You get in trouble when you try to make fun of Taylor Swift. All the Swifties come after you. So, uh, so <laughs> yes. So, how you doing? Again, let's, maybe we'll start over again. Okay. So we're in this series, we're, we're learning about prayer, how to, how to pray effectively. And so today we're talking about give us this day our daily bread. So I'm going to ask you to do what we've done the last couple of weeks. Let's stand and say the Lord's Prayer together. You ready? Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. The evil one or evil, you know, too many translations. You may be seated. You have this problem. You have multiple translations in your head. And so anytime you quote, you just end up. Mixing them all together. So, my apologies. All right. So, <laughs> still have to say trespasses. So, we're learning, uh, this series is Pray Like This. So, we're wanting to learn how to pray. So, Jesus said, when you pray, pray like this. Now, when we look ahead, we see that he was giving them instructions. He kind of prefaced, he said, don't pray like the Gentiles do. Don't pray like those who don't know God. And they, they think their prayer is answered through much repetition. Or he talks about how the, the Jews would pray publicly to get attention. And they thought that was the way to pray, was to pray to get attention. She said, no, when you pray, go into your closet, shut your door, and pray in secret. What your father hears in secret, he will reward you. So he, he's teaching them the principles of prayer. They've, they've seen him pray, and they're wanting to learn how, how do we connect to God the way that Jesus is connected to God. So he says, today we're talking about give, give us this day our daily bread. So this is the first part of the prayer that is what we would call petition prayer. Petition prayer is where we're praying something specifically where we're asking God for something. A lot of times, it's, it's okay, but for most of us, a lot of times our prayer is mostly petition prayer, right? We're, we've, 
Anybody here ever pray and you've got a prayer list? You know, you, in other words, you, because God wants us to ask him. It's, it's not that God does. He wants us to pray and he wants us to ask him. But this petition prayer is what we think of often when we think of prayer. It's praying the things that we want God to intervene in. So we're, we're asking God to come and do the, you know, we need help in this area. We need healing in this area. You know, we've got problems here. And we're asking God to help us. Jesus said in Matthew 21, verses 21 to 22, Jesus replied, truly I tell you, if you have faith and do not doubt, not only can you do what was done to the fig tree, so he has caused the fig tree to wither, but also you can say to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea and it will be done. If you believe, you'll receive whatever you ask in prayer. Okay, now that kind of sounds like a blank check, doesn't it? If you believe, you'll receive whatever you ask in prayer. Although we know that's not the way prayer works in the real world. So what does it mean? Well, give us this day, our daily bread happens in the middle of the prayer, of the Lord's prayer. So we're going to align this prayer in the middle with what has come before the prayer. So what has come before our Father who art in heaven. Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So petitionary prayer works when we believe we're coming to a loving heavenly Father. We come expecting that he loves us and he cares for us, that he's causing all things to work together for our good. James 1.17 says, Every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights who does not change like shifting shadows. That's the NIV, I believe. In Matthew 7, Jesus says, Ask and you, it will be given to you. Seek and you'll find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds, and the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you're evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? So God is working in your life. He's answering prayers in your life, and he's answering prayers in your life according to his will and his purpose, his good and purpose. He's working for your good and his purpose. One of the things that God is wanting to do in your life, since Jesus has come into your life, one of the goals of the Holy Spirit in your life is that he would conform you to the image of Christ that who you are in Christ because of the righteousness of Christ that's been applied to you. See, when you ask Jesus Christ into your heart, his righteousness is applied to you, so now God sees you as righteous. So if you were to, you know, in a car wreck on the way home, and uh, you were to stand before judgment at that time, you know, it's appointed to man once to die, and after that, the judgment. And so... If God were to say to you, why should I let you into heaven? The answer is, I kept all, is not, the answer is not, 
Well, I, you know, I never got a ticket. I, I always observed the law. I, I, was really, I was a really good father. I was a really good husband. I, I, I try, and he, here's what people say. I tried to live a good life. That's not going to get you in heaven. Our only answer, our only hope of an answer is that I believed on the Lord Jesus Christ. And I put my faith in him and my, his, my faith in him, the Bible says. And that, by the way, that faith also came from God. You didn't, you didn't come up with it. He gave you the faith to believe in Jesus Christ and you trusted in him. And so our answer is, I'm saved because Jesus died for me. So we are positionally righteous the moment we give our life to Christ. But God is working within us in the process we call sanctification. That is, none of us look just like Jesus yet. Do we? we acknowledge, can we acknowledge that? That we're all in progress? So the Holy Spirit is conforming us to the image of Christ. And so when we read the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, gentleness, faithfulness, patience, kindness, when we read that, those are the attributes of Christ. That is the fruit of the Spirit. And so he is manifesting those things within us. So when, when God is working in our life, he's working to bring those things out. Because some of the greatest things that God is going to do for you is going to be things that he does in you. Did you get that? Some of the greatest things he's going to do for you are things he can do in you. So we're going to pray. Our Father, we want to recognize who he is, our position in him. We're praying because of who we are, our relationship, because of what he has done. And then petitionary prayer works when we have the right perspective. So we're praying, hallowed be thy name. So we want to remember when we're praying that God is the most important thing. We're coming to God, and we come to God with humility and we come to God, uh, you know, humble, because God gives grace to the humble. He resists the proud, and he gives grace to the humble. So when we come to God, we recognize that we're coming remembering who he is. We're remembering that he's the most important thing. And we, we learn in these times that Christ is all we need. Because when God answers prayer, the, the very best prayer that God can answer, that God can give, is, is, is himself. The very best answer that God can give is his presence, his peace, his reality in our lives. So when I don't have that, when I don't, when I don't believe that I have Christ and Christ is all I need, then I start to worry. I become fearful. I become anxious. Because if I forget who he is, I'll forget who I am. If I forget who I am in relationship to him, I'll forget who, who I am and that I'm a son and I'm forgiven and that I'm blessed. Colossians 1.15, the son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven, and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He is the head of the body, the church. 
which is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. So we are realigning ourselves when we pray. We're coming to God and we're recognizing who he is. We're recognizing that he's God and we're not, that he's before all things, he's the creator of all things, that he is the purpose of all things, that he is hallowed, that we're remembering who he is. Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. We're bringing ourselves, we're aligning ourselves, we're recognizing that he's God, we're not. And since he's God and we're not, there's some things he knows that we don't know. You, you recognize that, right? There's some things that he's doing that we might not understand. It's very likely that God's doing something that is beyond our comprehension. Since he's before all things and is holding all things together. So we're, when we come to prayer, we need to recognize who he is. One of the things that unanswered prayer does for us is that unanswered prayers will reveal to us our true motivation. It will kind of show us what's really bur- bubbling underneath the surface. Because sometimes our motivations aren't right. The Bible says it's difficult for us to know our own motivations. The Bible says the heart is deceitful above all else. Who can know it? No man can know it. So, you know, we people often say, follow your heart. Well, you better follow the word before you follow your heart. Because if you follow your heart and it's not directed by the word of God, it will lead you into a bad place. And so you need to follow the word, follow the Lord. But it's, so if, if the reason that you're a Christian is to get your prayers answered and you forget that we're supposed to hallow his name, we're like, who's hallowed here, God or me? I've got to remember that, that he deserves the first place. He came to have the first place in everything. So if sometimes it just gets out of alignment. We think, you know, that God's here to serve us. He's here to meet my needs. He's here to make me happy. Because you'll find that people, people will make comments that because they've done something for God, God owes them. That somehow in their service, in serving God, or, or they gave something, that it somehow created a debt with God. I mean, I've, I've had people complain, say, you know, I don't understand it. I, it doesn't, I don't understand it. Said I've been given. I've been, I've been given money to the church. I, I've been tithing, and uh, I, just, I just lost my job. And I, I, just, I don't understand how that works. I thought, I thought, you know, that if I gave that nothing would ever happen. Well, man, I wish it worked that way because we wouldn't have any money problems then, would we? Because we'd all be trying to manipulate God by giving. But that's, that's, not, that's not prayer. That's manipulation. That's, that's, like, that's like treating God like a vending machine. You know, we're going to put a certain amount in and, uh, you know, I'm going to get, I get to pick, I get to pick the flavor and color that I want. And so we, we have a miss. Our, our motivations are off that God owes us. 
And he doesn't know us. I mean, who is hallowed, us or God? Well, hallowed be God's name. So we want to we want to be sure that our motivations are right. And, and when God says no, sometimes it shows us where we're off. When God says no, we get a little, you know, we get a little upset. God didn't give me what I wanted, so, you know, God, you're a deficient God. And you don't even love as good as I do because when my kids ask for something, I give it to them. Or how could this happen to me? How could this? And we, we say that. Why did this, this happen to me? It's like, what do you you want to try and give it to somebody else? <laughs> I mean, that, that doesn't sound very fair either, does it? I'm going to try and say, well, I'm going to give, I'm going to give my problems to you. You get to carry them now. Uh, but we say that. Why, why does this happen to me? And I, you know what the answer to that is? It's because you're alive. Because the Bible says in the world you will have trouble. Jesus promised. He said this. In the world you will have trouble. Everyone has trouble. Everyone has loss. We don't have all have the same trouble and the same loss at the same time. But if you're around long enough, you will experience trouble and loss to a great degree. You'll experience disappointment. You'll experience fear and anxiety. It will come. It will be a part of your life. And so you have to learn to trust God in the midst of those struggles. How could this happen to me? Why has this happened to me? I don't deserve this. We don't want to play the deserve game. You know, the Bible says, surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. We want mercy to follow us. Mercy means when we get mercy, we don't get what we deserve. Grace means when God gives us his grace, he gives us salvation, which we don't deserve. And when he gives us mercy, it means he doesn't give us what we deserve. And what the Bible says that we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God and that the wages of sin is death. We're all worthy of death. So if we want to get what we deserve, we need to be careful. We might get it. You no, know, we'll say, well, what good is it to be a Christian if I, I don't get what I want? Well, that's not the purpose for being a Christian. The purpose for being a Christian is to not get what we want. The purpose for being a Christian is to serve God with your life. So here's what Paul learned about unanswered prayer. Now, I've been talking to you about this. I've said, this has been in my, in my mind lately, how God called Paul to be an apostle. So Paul was was a, a Jew that was fighting against the early church, and he, had, he was taking Christians captive, throwing them in prison. Some of them are losing their life because of their faith. They're having their property confiscated. Uh, they're being rejected by their families. Uh, so Paul is, is rounding up all the Christians that he can in Jerusalem, and then he gets letters to go to Damascus and do the same thing. So he's going to go to Damascus and round up all the Christians that he can put them in jail, put them, you know, turn them over to the Romans, everything that he can to, to punish as many Christians as possible. And while he's on the way, he encounters the living Christ. So there, on the road to Damascus, the living Christ says to him, what are you doing, Paul? Isn't it hard for you to, to kick against the goads? To this, this, he says, I, I know what you're doing. You are resisting. You're fighting against a conviction, a desire that's happening in your heart. And Paul responds, who are you, Lord? And he says, I'm Jesus who you're persecuting. So the Lord tells him, Jesus tells him, now I want you to go into the city and wait there. 
And, and he goes blind. He, he, so Paul can't see. So, you know, just as an incentive, I guess, to follow instructions. He can't, he can't see. And so he gets into the, the city of Damascus. He's on the street called Straight. And the Lord speaks to Ananias, one of the followers of Christ. And he says to him, listen, I want you to go in and pray for Brother Paul. And Ananias is like, uh, wait a minute. <laughs> uh, I, I, like, I like it when we tell God what's going on. You know, don't you ever do, you, don't we do that? Like, hey, God, I don't know if you know this, but this guy's trouble. And he's been persecuting Christians in Jerusalem. And now he's coming here to stir up trouble. And so, listen, uh, I don't think anybody should go and pray for him. And, and the Lord says, no, you're going. <laughs> you're going. And you're going because I have to show him what he has to suffer for my namesake. You think, well, this doesn't seem like a very good evangelism campaign. I mean, how, how are you going to get crowds with that? But that's what he says, listen, I need to let Paul know what he's going to suffer. You know what? Paul did suffer. He suffered all kinds of things everywhere he went. He suffered great. He was thrown in prison. He was beaten. He was shipwrecked. He was betrayed by friends. He was, he was attacked by enemies. I mean, Paul, Paul had it from the beginning to the end of his life. And he, he ended his, his life, we believe that he was beheaded by Nero. So he had difficulty from the moment he said yes to Jesus Christ. So here's, here's what's happened in the middle of his life. So the Lord's given him some kind of a vision. We don't know what the vision is, the details of the vision, but it's, it's really incredible. He gets to see heaven or something. And so because of that, it says, because of the, the surpassing greatness of these revelations, therefore, in order to keep me from being conceited, in other words, so I'd stay humble, I was given a thorn in my flesh. We don't know what it was. We don't know if it was a sickness, disease, a person, uh, something, a messenger from Satan to torment me. Three times I pleaded to the Lord to take it away from me, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. That's why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults. This kind of gets you an idea of what it could have been. It could have been, you know, insults, hardships, persecutions, and difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. So here's Paul, what a, one of the primary major people in the New Testament, right? And he's got a prayer request. And he says, Lord, I need this to go away. This, this is hindering me. And he could even pull, this is hindering my ministry. You know, I will be much more effective if I don't have this thorn in the flesh. You ought to take this thorn in the flesh from me. And he prayed about it three times. And every time the Lord said, no. And his answer was, my grace is sufficient for you. See, he said, Paul, the answer to your problem is not the removal of the problem. The answer to the problem is me. 
we don't necessarily like that. We're like, okay, how about both? <laughs> you, know, you know, I don't want to be picky, Lord. I'll take both. I don't have to have door number one or door number two. I'll just take both. I'll take both the, the problem going away and you. But sometimes, sometimes in God's will and God's plan, what does he say? He says, my grace is sufficient for you. We never know that Jesus is enough until Jesus is all we have. And I, you could go around this room and talk about the things that people have been through. And the, there are people in this room right now that have been through and are going through very difficult things. I mean, in this crowd right now, there are people that are facing all kinds of difficult things. And most of them will tell you that in the midst of darkness, you experience the grace of the Lord in a different measure. That the harder the time, the greater the grace. And what you get in that season, what you get in that difficulty, it's not that the problem goes away, although that's how you're praying and that's what you want. And that's okay to pray that way. Father, if it be your will, let this cup pass from me. We get to pray that prayer, right? But even if it doesn't, what God gives us is himself. And Paul said, what I discovered in shipwrecks, in turmoil, in fear, in prison, in beatings, in all of those things that his grace, his divine enablement. Grace is two things. Grace is unmerited favor. God gives us unmerited favor. We cannot deserve salvation. He gives us salvation by grace. And it is, it is divine ability. Grace is his ability. He said, your strength, my strength is made perfect in weakness. Third thing, petitionary prayer works when we're seeking first the kingdom of God. We have to put God's will above our own. In John, 1 John chapter 5, verse 14, it says, This is the confidence we have in approaching God that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And we know that if he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we ask of him. So when we pray, and we pray according to his will, that's the, and that's, that's, the, that's the important factor, Lord. And sometimes we don't know God's will. Sometimes it's not black and white for us. It's not like it's choose this or choose this. Sometimes we're, we just have to say, God, I want your will. I'm not exactly sure what it is. But we're submitting. We're saying, Lord, I want to be in the middle of your will, whatever it is. I want to be exactly where you want me to be in the middle of your will. So we're praying, our Father in heaven. We're not praying to the genie in the lamp. Because if we're praying God's will, we're also understanding that if I'm praying God's will, just as Jesus prayed, there's going to be seasons and times when God's going to ask us to do things that in the moment we don't like or, or necessarily understand. You know, 
So if, if we're not praying according to God's will, we'll, we'll pray like this. If God makes all these promises and he all has all this power, how come I'm not getting what I want? You think about, so God, you think God knows more than we do? So you think about children. You know, children think they know what they're doing even when they don't know what they're doing. They don't have, you know, they're children and they don't have the mental capacity yet or the experience to understand the consequences of their actions. Children don't understand what is safe. They would play in the middle of the road with cars whizzing by. They don't, because they don't understand the consequence. When I was two, you've probably heard this story, but when I was two years old, I took a set of Ford keys, because that's the only kind of car my dad would buy, and stuck them in an electrical outlet like this. And it threw me across the room. And I had curly hair. When, used to, when I had lots of hair, I had curly hair. Uh, now, as I grew up, I didn't remember that event. My, my family told me about it. But there was a consequence of that event. You know, my family, I had an older brother and an older sister. And if you have siblings, they punished you. They tormented you. I mean, that's the reason you have families, to torment them. So uh, they would say to me, they would say to me, go plug that in. And I would be like, I don't want to plug that in. I don't want to plug. And I didn't know why I didn't want to plug it in. Because that was just ingrained in me. It was something that I'd experienced too young. So I avoided plugging things in as much as possible. Because I was two. I didn't, I mean, it seemed like a good idea at the time. You know. Children think they're smarter than you. Sometimes we think, we're smarter than God. What, <laughs> what, what if you gave a five-year-old Aladdin's lamp and the genie in the bottle shows up? What if God was the genie in the bottle? Think about Elias. Elias is three. My, my grandson, Elias, is three. And Elias loves dinosaurs. He actually thinks he may be one. <clears throat> he will roar, if you give him a chance, he'll roar at you. Uh, but if you gave a, if you gave a three year old Aladdin's lamp, you better take off running because <laughs> there's no telling what they're going to ask for. If you gave if you gave Elias Aladdin's lamp, you're going to be running from a T Rex pretty quickly because <laughs> that's that's that he thinks he thinks T Rex are his buddies. He doesn't know. You know, think about this. When you look back over your life, you think back, you know, when I was 10, I didn't know. And I did some foolish things. Then you think when I was 15, I really didn't know. <laughs> I thought I did. And I did some foolish things. And, and then when I was 25, I look back at 15 and 15 year old. When you're 25, you, get, you know, you've got some maturities beginning to happen. You can go back and say, boy, when I was 15, I was, I was an idiot. And then, you know, if you keep maturing, you get 35, and you look at 35, you look back at 25, and you think, man, they got 25. What a dodo, you know. <laughs> and 45, you look back at 35, and, and on and on. 
And here's the reality. We're still idiots. <laughs> so you remember that today. I went to church today and the pastor called me an idiot. But I'm going to put my, I'm going to lump myself in with you. Because we look, we can look back and experience and consequences. I mean, how do you learn? You stick the keys in the socket and you think, I'm never doing that again. <laughs> Good or bad, I'm going to try to avoid that the rest of my life. So we're still learning. And so we look back and think, I still have a lot to learn. I still have so much to learn. Hebrews 5, 7 says, during the days of Jesus' life on earth, he offered up prayers and petitions with fervent cries and tears to the one who could save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverent submission. So Jesus, we know in the garden of Gethsemane, he's praying, Father, if it be your will, let this cup pass from me. And it says he was heard. He was heard because of his reverent submission to the will of God. He was heard, and what did God say? No. He was heard, but God still said no. Sometimes an unanswered prayer is really a no that's an answer. So you think about this. What looked like unanswered prayer turned out to be a resurrection. Because God had a better plan. God had a better plan than saving Jesus from death. The plan was for Jesus to die for our sins. The plan was for Jesus to defeat death and be the first fruits of the resurrection, to be the first one to go to heaven. Jesus defeated. You know, and people will say, you know, we hear this truism, and you've heard me say this, I know. People will say, you know, well, God's never late. You need to read your Bible. God's late all the time. If you get swallowed by the fish, God's late. If you get thrown in a lion's den, I would say, you know, if, I mean, God, you only have to be a few minutes earlier on the scene. But it's just a better story when you make it through the lion's den, right? I mean, the, the Bible is full of stories where God is late. The reality is it's never too late for God because he's the God of the resurrection. He's the God who can take the, and shut the lion's mouths. So they're not hungry until the other people fall in, then they're real hungry. So we're learning to trust God, to put it in his hands and, and, and say, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Petitionary prayer works when I believe I've got a loving heavenly father, when I, when I be believe and hallow his name, I'm in correct perspective, I'm humbled under him, I believe he's God and I'm not. And that when I align myself with his will, I need to be saying, God, not my will, but yours be done. And that's the beginning of effective prayer. Is to align ourselves to the kingdom. Amen. Let's stand and pray. Thank you, Lord. We're going to have a great Sunday next Sunday. I want you to be here. I've got some things I want to tell you about.
things you've always heard about the Christmas story that are wrong. (laughs) Things you've always believed about the Christmas story that we've kind of adapted into, you know, what the, how the story works and what it means. Uh, so we're going to be talking about that, and we're going to be singing some great Christmas songs. We're going to have a great time. So it'll be a great fun time. So let's pray. Lord, teach us to pray. Sometimes, Lord, it's hard for me not to not pray selfish prayers. I'm just praying about me, and I'm not praying about your kingdom. And, and Lord, I, w- I want to learn how to pray in a way that says your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Lord, my, my heart's desire, my purpose in life, my goal in life, the reason I'm here is not to build my kingdom, but, but, but to build your kingdom. So Lord, help me in every area of my life to surrender my will to your will and my way to your way. Because I know that the greatest answer that I can get is not for this problem to go away, but for you to be present in my life because that is the promise of not only this life, but eternity. So shall we ever be with the Lord. That is the promise, is you. The greatest gift that can be given. We thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 I love you. Have a great week. Kids did great. This has been the Life Community Church Podcast. Thank you for listening.